Hello everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of When You Don't Want to Write It, the podcast for all those papers you just don't want to write. Someday, I want to make something like this an option for my own students, so I'm trying it out. Today, we will be tackling part two of an assignment for my TE407 class in the College of Education at Michigan State University. We are in the middle of a unit on special education and have been asked to create a small glossary of disabilities that we might come across as educators. In this podcast, I will discuss six different disabilities, their prevalence, a description of the disability, as well as ways teachers can best work with these students to help them succeed. So, let's get started. Our first disorder is ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. ADHD affects about 8% of children, so it's pretty prevalent, and chances are quite high that students with ADHD will come through your classroom. These students will exhibit behaviors along the lines of hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattention. Often, they are constantly moving, fidgeting, chatting at inopportune times, and not great at waiting in lines or for their turn to talk. This is more on the hyperactive or impulsive end of ADHD. On the inattentive end, they are forgetful, have trouble following through on instructions and assignments, trouble paying attention in class, and have trouble organizing or are constantly losing things. Students can also be a combination of both of these ends, both hyperactive and impulsive as well as inattentive. Medicine can be used to help treat ADHD as well as behavioral therapy, but teachers can do a lot in classrooms to help make the environment much more conducive to learning. Things could include having a ball for a child to squeeze, sitting in a chair that allows for movement or in a place that's easily able to move around by, having a standing desk available, or modifying lessons to include movement and participation. A teacher could also help teach organization skills or coping methods for when feeling distracted or like one can't focus. Working with the individual student to help find what tips and tricks work best for them is most helpful, as it is and will be for most of these disabilities. Our next disability is fetal alcohol syndrome. This syndrome can affect 0.6 to 0.9% of school-aged children, so it's relatively rare, but still out there. It impacts the physical development and functional aspects of a child's life because of alcohol consumption of a mother during pregnancy. Students with FAS will most likely exhibit problems with their memory and attention span, struggle with communication or language comprehension, have trouble with problem solving, potentially be hyperactive or impulsive, and often struggle with anxiety. Medicine can again help with behavioral aspects, as can therapy and intentional teaching practices. The best things students can do to help students with FAS include presenting information clearly and briefly and in short segments, and also being willing to repeat. Additionally, having less distractions is always helpful, as well as keeping the classroom structured and routine. Teaching strategies also, like using visual materials or engaged learning through small groups with peers, is helpful as well. Patience with students with FAS is key, as they might have slower processing skills. Again, repetition comes in very handy here. Following fetal alcohol syndrome, we have RAD, or Reactive Attachment Disorder. RAD affects 1.4% of the population. This occurs when a child is unable to establish a healthy relationship with the parent, guardian, or primary caretaker, which then affects other relationships and school performance. Often children with RAD feel alone and unsafe, are extremely withdrawn and emotionally distant. They may actively push people away and even 
aggressively push them away when people try to get close. A different side of Rad may see children seeking comfort and attention from literally anyone, strangers even. These children may be extremely overly dependent, may act younger than they actually are, and also have chronic anxiety. These in turn affect social skills, cognitive skills, and children with Rad often have more behavioral issues. Medication, and especially therapy, are helpful in working with children with Rad. Other things teachers keep in mind as they work with students with Rad are to not take a child's behavior personally, to educate rather than to try and fix the student, use lots of structure and accountability, as well as holding students accountable to their learning, giving them responsibility, and helping them handle that responsibility. Also, working closely with parents is extremely helpful. IEPs, Individualized Education Plans, are also helpful to work through cognitive struggles, but will most likely be different for every student that has read. ASD, or Autism Spectrum Disorder, is one of the most well-known, or at least often talked about, disorders. It affects 1 in 59 children, though the number has increased in recent years. ASD is a neurodevelopmental disorder that affects how children process certain types of information. A few key signs of children with ASD include difficulty with social skills like communication and interaction with other people, as well as restricted interest in repetitive behavior. They might be uber-interested in or very good at one specific thing or area of information, but this is not always the case. Also, they might have sensory processing struggles as well. These things, among others, get in the way of the person's ability to function at the level of their peers in school and in their social interactions. Medication can help with some of the behaviors, as well as behavioral support and educational support. On one of the resources I saw, it said, if you've met one child with ASD, you've met one child with ASD, meaning that children with ASD are incredibly varied in how they are affected and where they need support. However, some things like providing structure, routine, space when the child needs it, and working towards less abrupt changes and clear instructions with multiple ways of presenting information are overall mostly always helpful for students with ASD. Additionally, like always, individualized education plans will also be very helpful in working to help individual students with ASD succeed. Down syndrome is a genetic disorder that happens when someone has an extra copy, full or in part, of the 21st chromosome. About 1 in 700 babies are born with Down syndrome. This can present itself in physical traits, such as the upward slant of the eyes or small stature, but can also impair cognitive abilities. Again, the impact on a child is varied across the board, but common traits impact auditory visual impairment, delayed fine and gross motor skills, speech and language impediment, difficulties thinking and reasoning, and difficulties expressing what they know, even if they know have a good idea of what they know. Visual learning and tactile examples can be extremely helpful for teachers with students with Down syndrome, as well as mixing in group work, as students with DS often have good social skills. Clarity and directness to a student would also be helpful, as well as always being available to help. Blindness and visual impairment affects about 1.2% of students and is classified as a visual disability that significantly significantly impairs the capacity to see and so interferes with learning visually presented materials, etc. These cannot be corrected by glasses or corrective lenses. Often, this is relatively apparent in students, but can affect more than just their vision. It can affect organization, the ability to stay on task, and comprehension abilities. Overall, it just inhibits their ability to fully succeed at the top of their potential when nothing is done about it. Specific technology might be most helpful for students, but teachers can also do a lot to help out. 
Using large print books, braille, or auditory information presentations can be helpful for students, as well as working with the lighting to be at least intrusive, printing materials that are clear, often in black and white, and emphasizing oral presentation of information alongside clarity and precision in words, not always relying on facial expressions or hand movements. Additionally, allowing more time on tests and assignments and being willing to read text to students or work with them to avoid things like writing, such as creating a podcast instead of writing a paper, might also be helpful. Even though this glossary might be slightly helpful, I think the main takeaway should be the importance of individualized learning, as difficult as that is. For all these different disabilities and the students that have them, IEPs, helping to individualize learning for these students is the best bet. Knowing a student's strengths, no matter their abilities, helps a teacher emphasize those as a tool to work toward improving the weaknesses. But again, the key is knowing your students and working with them to specifically educate them in a way most beneficial to their specific story and abilities. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Many thanks to the many websites that helped with the information to make this possible, and especially the many organizations dedicated to bringing information to help teachers learn more about their students with varied abilities. Those links will be available on my website. Join us next time when we tackle part three of this same assignment. This is Peyton Writer signing off from When You Don't Want to Write It, the podcast for all those papers you just don't want to write.